Amen. All right, check this out. This uh, woman died, Tom. Tom, are you paying attention? All right, pay attention. This woman died, and she found herself standing at the pearly gates, and she was greeted by, guess who? St. Peter. It's always him. I don't know why, Bobby. Apparently, we're going to ask him when we get there. And so she comes to St. Peter, she goes, she goes, oh, is this place really what I think it is? I mean, it's so beautiful. I mean, did I really make it to heaven? And Peter replied, he says, yes, dear, these are the gates of heaven. And, uh, but you must do one more thing before you can enter. And the woman, she was excited, and she, she asked Peter, well, what do I got to do to pass through the gates? And St. Peter said to her, apparently, you got to spell a word, right? And she goes, well, what word? And Peter said, any word. It's your choice. And so the woman replied and thought about it for a second. She goes, okay, the word I spell is love, L-O-V-E. Well, Peter, he congratulated her on her good fortune, making it to heaven and all. And he asked her, though, if she wouldn't mind taking his place at the gates for a few minutes while, you know, she, he went to the bathroom. And so she said, yeah, I'll be honored. She said, but wait a second, Peter. She says, what, what should I do if somebody comes to the gates while you're gone? And so Peter, he reassured her and instructed her to simply have any newcomers to the pearly gates uh, spell a word just like she had done. And so the woman, she's left there sitting in uh, St. Peter's chair, and she's watching all the beautiful angels around her and soaring around. And when lo and behold, get this, a, a man approaches the gates, and she can't believe her eyes. It's her husband. And she, she cries out, what happened? Why are you here? And not for that reason. And, and her, her husband stared at her for a moment and says, I, I was so upset when I left your funeral. I, I got in this car accident, and, and, and now I'm here, and did I really make it to heaven? And to which his wife replied, not yet. You must first spell a word. And the husband said, what word? And his wife said, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> I even had to look that up on spell check to get it right myself. So, but, uh, but folks, I know it's early, but how many guys would say um, that that couple probably didn't have the best kind of marriage back on earth? You know what I'm saying? Czechoslovakia kind of gives it away. And, and if we're honest with ourselves as married folks, and uh, uh, how many of us can identify with this seemingly unending marital strain at times, right? And, and that's why I think this is the basic truth. If we're honest with ourselves, folks, married life sometimes can seem like a three-ring circus, right? I mean, you got the engagement ring, you got the wedding ring, and you got that suffering, you know what I'm saying, if we can identify. Okay. <laughs> Well, my point is this, uh, in the, the study that we've embarked, is this the kind of relationship, listen, that God had in mind when he instituted marriage in the Garden of Eden? No, okay, absolutely not. It's a gift from him. And uh, uh, yes, we need to acknowledge that Adam and Eve blew it in the Garden of Eden, so they blew it for the chances, if you will, of having a perfect marriage this side of heaven, okay? They blew it, but listen, the good news is that even though you and I may never have a perfect marriage, okay, that doesn't mean, listen, we do not, Christian, we do not have to resign ourselves to a life of personal pain and silent suffering. Listen, it just means it's gonna take some time, and it's going to take some work, okay? 
Why? Because contrary to popular belief, folks, listen, don't listen to society, listen to God. Marriages are not made in heaven. Marriages are made right here on earth. Okay, they're not made in heaven, they're made right here on earth. Therefore, we're gonna begin a new study called, that's right, a marriage built to last. Okay, how many guys would like to have a marriage built to last? Raise your hand. All right, now, man, I'm here to help you out because I are one. Okay, just go ahead, raise your hand now. You're gonna score some points. It's that simple. Go ahead, I'm here to Okay, uh, but that's right. Uh, and that first step in building that lasting marriage, besides raising your hand at the appropriate time, man, uh, if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna have that lasting marriage, is we simply need to acknowledge that men and women are different. Isn't that an amazing concept? Wow. Now, as you can see by there, we have that hot up the press. We have this young couple here, Oz and Michaela. Uh, they've been married for a whole week now. And so, Oz, I'm gonna put you on the spot. In one week's time, Oz, hopefully you get the right answer, buddy. Have you noticed that men and women are different? Okay, a little louder, please. Okay, give it up for Oz, yeah, woo! Man, he's well on his way to having a marriage built to last, but don't even take Oz's word for it. Let's get back to the Bible. How about God? What is he, what, what is he doing here? Okay, are men and women really different? Well, yes, they are, uh, but let's take a look at our passage. Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter one, verse 26 through uh, 28 is our context here. Now, of course, if you uh, find the uh, little index part, what do you do? Hang it a little right there, you know, uh, and you'll take a look there. If you find the dictionary, just flip it over and start all over again. But Genesis chapter 1, okay, uh, very first chapter, okay, this is the creation account. And this Genesis, of course, means beginnings. It's the book of beginnings. And there's all kinds of beginnings. God's the beginning of the universe, the beginning of the earth, the beginning of the creation of animals. And then he makes these people called people, okay, mankind. And let's take a look at that account. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. Here's what God says to you and I. Very first chapter of the Bible. It says this. Then God said, let us. Well, wait a second. Who's us? It's the Trinity right there in the first chapter of the Bible, folks. Elohim, plural in the Greek. It means God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But let us, listen, make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. What did he create him as? Male and female. Pay attention. He created them. And then God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. You need to fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves along the ground. Okay, first chapter of the Bible, it's very clear, okay? And again, I would assume that most of us, even here today, have got to be somewhat familiar with this passage of the Bible. And that's because every January, it seems that uh, we play the game of New Year's resolutions. And usually, especially as Christians, the New Year's resolution is we're going to read through the Bible this year if it's the last thing we do, right? Okay, unfortunately, somewhere about February, it doesn't seem to happen and it starts all over again next year. Uh, but I'm, I'm assuming that between January and February, you made it through at least the first chapter. Anybody? Okay, so we've got to be somewhat familiar with this passage. And what we see is, listen, God created mankind as male and Female. And you might be thinking, well, okay, whoa, Pastor Billy, wow, what big thought for the day, whoop-de-doo. Okay, so God created men, women, okay. But I'm telling you folks, listen, pay attention. There's a horrible influx alive from our society. We desperately need to understand and remind ourselves of chapter one right here of this basic biblical truth. And the reason why is because uh, marriage is under attack. Our society today is frantically, listen, trying to remove any distinction between male and female. Have you noticed that? 
They're bucking at God's system right here, the first chapter, uh, depending on the size of your text, first page of the Bible. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to achieve a false unity between men and women and creating this thing called a unisex. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to make men more like women and women more like men. And they think that uh, that's how you're going to achieve unity. Give it up, it's never gonna work. And because of that lie and because of that push from our society, there's a horrible side effect. Marriages today are suffering. Why? Because have you not read, have you not at least made it to chapter one of the first page of the Bible? God made us male and female listen on purpose. We're different and it's always gonna be that way because God did it and there's good reasons for it. We'll get it in a second. Now listen to this. Biblical unity in marriage is not achieved by trying to change each other. That's what the world does. Biblical unity in marriage is not achieved by trying to change each other, listen, but by acknowledging and appreciating our God-given differences. I'll say that again, not just for Bobby, even though he's on the front row. Biblical unity in marriage is not achieved by trying to change each other. Isn't that the game we play? It's simply though by, listen, appreciating and acknowledging our God-given differences. So then that's the big question, isn't it? What are these God-given differences between male and female? And so shall it be that we've desperately got to start appreciating if we're gonna have those marriages built to last. Well, John, awesome. Thanks for sneaking up here and looking at my notes again. Give it up for John. Awesome guy. Works well with my notes. The first God-given difference, listen, between men and women, if we're gonna have that marriage built to last, we've got to acknowledge this, guys, is simply this. I know, hopefully this isn't too profound for you today, is did you know that men and women are different physically? (laughs) This is stuff you'll never get on the back of that Cheerios box, you know what I'm saying? Aren't you glad you came here today? Okay, and believe it or not, folks, uh, uh, guys, you might want to do a test. You know, just turn to a lady next to you and say, hey, don't ever beat me at arm wrestling. Don't do it. We'll cry every single time. It's not right. All right, and the reason why is because we're different physically. This is just one passage that clearly reveals this basic truth, and it's kind of a neat passage and and, uh, lots going on here, but let's see just, in fact, how much men and women are different physically. And this is the account of Jacob when he meets Rachel, right? You know, the relationship, they get married, right? Listen to Genesis chapter 29, verse one through four and nine through 10 says this, then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the Eastern people. Now, there he saw a well in the field with three flocks of sheep lying near it because the flocks were watered from that well. Listen, the stone over the mouth of the well was what? Large, this is a big old rock, okay? Now, when all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds, plural, Shepherds would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. Then they would return the stone, they, plural, would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. Now, Jacob asked the shepherds, hey, my brothers, where are you from? And they said, hey, we're from Haran, they replied. And while he was talking to them, Rachel, the good looking lady, came with her father's sheep, they had cash, for she was a shepherdess, okay? And when Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the cash, the Laban sheep, he went over single-handedly and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Now, this is cool when you start to peel back some of the customs and manners and even pay attention to the text, okay? You might be thinking, what in the world has this passage got to do uh, with men and women being different, certainly physically different? Well, not much until you understand the shepherds of the day and what's going on here uh, at this time frame. You see, when surface water had disappeared for the shepherds, you still had to water your sheep, right? Well, the creeks had dried up, the rivers had dried up, so what do you do? So they resorted to well water to water the sheep. Now listen, as you just saw in this text, it was customary to cover the wellhead with a huge, massive, large stone, okay? And that huge, massive stone, as we just saw in the text, plural, required several men to lift. 
to move and to put it back. And it protected the water rights. That's why you wanted it so big, right? So this passage of scripture, listen, indicates the incredible strength or the physical prowess that Jacob had. According to our text, what normally took several guys to do, several shepherds, Mr. Buff, Mr. Jacob, did it single-handedly in the context to impress the good-looking rich woman nearby. Folks, this is what's going on in this passage. Jacob, let me break it down for you. He was the Arnold Schwarzenegger of his day. This guy was huge. See, we kind of think maybe a little piece. No, this guy was huge. What normally took several guys to do, he did it single-handedly, of course, to impress uh, the woman. Now, that explains a whole lot of issues, which is for a whole nother sermon with Jacob and his independent attitude, where even the text says that he would even dare to take on and wrestle with God. Well, he's Arnold. Do you see how that? Okay, but that not only explains some of his attitudes and what he went through later in life, okay, when you look at this physical prowess issue, but it helps to explain some issues in marriage, okay, that I think we need to desperately understand as husbands and wives. And again, just the physical strength, that's just one aspect we need to remind ourselves. How did God make us? Why did he make us different physically? Well, let's take a look at some of those characteristics, okay? Men uh, and women differ in every cell of your body. It's totally different. And yet we want to think that we're going to somehow be like each other. Give it up. It's not going to happen. Okay, women normally have a lower metabolism than men, Okay, typically, uh, the, this is cool. The first finger of a woman's hand is usually longer than the third. Now with men, the reverse is true. Go ahead and look at it because I've learned that if I don't give you 15 seconds to do it, please do it because you're not gonna pay attention to my sermon until you do it. So just please check it out, it's true. Okay, get it over with. It's kind of neat, isn't it? All right, a little physical difference. So that's what happens there. All right, now you're done, so we can move on. All right, thank you. All right, women's blood contains more water and tires more easily and is more prone to faint. Right, physically, that's a difference, typically. Uh, in brute strength, even as we just saw in our text, men are 50% stronger than women. Please don't beat us at arm wrestling, okay? Uh, men have a greater infant mortality rate. Uh, women mature faster than men. I thought I'd at least get one amen out of there. Uh, <laughs> And sure enough, I did. Uh, but women are chemically and biologically more adapted to childbearing and child rearing. Men, how many guys can confirm that truth that you've never had a child? How many can raise the other hand and say, praise God, I didn't have a child? I'm still scarred just watching that event. Okay, uh, but anyway, and that's right, men. Here's the ultimate excuse. Men are chemically and biologically adapted to hunting and providing. So that's right, Jim Jubinville, if ever there was an excuse for you to go deer hunting again, hat or no hat. Bring that up, buddy. I'm here for you. Uh, but you might be thinking, okay, so what, Pastor? Okay, that was kind of cool. The first finger, third finger, all that kind of you know, stuff, whatever. Ladies prone to faint, all that stuff. What in the world does that got to do uh, with having a marriage built to last? Well, I'm telling you, listen, pay attention. It's these differences that we don't understand, we don't acknowledge, we don't appreciate, and we keep trying to change, and it ain't going to happen. You can't, your cell structure's not even the same. And then when our spouse does something that's just physically by nature, we assume that they're doing it on purpose to get us mad, to get back, and it may have nothing to do with that. And it creates a lot of misunderstanding and mishap in your uh, uh, marriage. Okay, let me give you some examples of how this unfortunately can play out if you don't understand what's going on with this physical difference. For instance, uh, because of our God-given physical differences, he made us this way on purpose. Men are more into conquering things, whereas women are more into cuddling things. Okay, men are more into conquering things. Ladies, you're more into cuddling things. Now, there's a phrase I'm gonna say throughout this study, Lord willing, and that is simply this. Please pay attention. Nothing wrong with it. It just means we're different. So let's say that together, shall we? 
Nothing wrong with it. It just means we're different, okay? So we like to conquer. Ladies, you like to cuddle. And this comes out in various arenas of life, okay? And if you don't understand this, it could lead to an unfortunate argument, okay? For instance, how about the grocery store? How many of you guys learn it's not a good thing to shop together? All right, in my house, that's where. But listen, here's how typically it goes, okay? It's the way we're wired, okay? For men, we don't have a shopping list. <laughs> we got a battle plan, baby. And we're on a mission to get into the enemy's territory and get right back out of there right? In fact, listen, we'll even uh, uh, time our watches. And if we beat our previous time, we'll give a guy a high five, a total stranger, and he'll know exactly what we're doing. Woo! <laughs> he'll celebrate with us. Now, now that's guys. That's what we do. We like to conquer things. Right? But on the other hand, ladies, most women will take their time holding and cuddling various items, uh, developing a relationship with them before a commitment can be made to purchase that item. And uh, ladies, this is why you can spend hours and hours in the mall and not even buy anything. Okay, uh, and, and ladies, this, for us guys, it makes no sense and it drives us up a wall because we're seeing how can you be surrounded by so much prey and not even shoot, right? It's crazy, and this is when you ask us the question, you say, well, hey, honey, uh, should I buy this uh, red blouse or this uh, uh, blue blouse? And we say, hey, who cares? Kill them back and let's go on to the next thing and conquer that. Okay, now there's nothing wrong with it. It just means what? We got to try that again. There's nothing wrong with it. It just means we're different, okay? And uh, another one of our God-given physical differences, this one is kind of interesting. We just had this a couple nights ago. Is <laughs> men tend to be visually superior. Ladies, you tend to be visually more sensitive. Okay, for instance, let's go to driving in the car. Let's see if this sounds familiar. The husband's driving the car. He's looking down the road, right? He's a guy. He's carefully surveying the scene. He's ready to conquer any troubles that would come his way, right? But all of a sudden, his wife starts to scream, look out, look out, watch out. And the husband, he looks over, he says, man, what are you talking about? And she says, the car, he says, what are you talking about? It's 10 blocks down the road, right? Yes. And the reason why, the reason why, this is a common scenario is, listen, because a woman's peripheral vision is much more sensitive than a guy's. And so that means that women in general are much more easily jolted or scared by sudden movements much more than guys, okay? Now there's nothing wrong with it. It just means we're different, all right? Now another one that comes out, our physical differences, is that men consider home a resting place. Ladies, uh-uh, it's a nesting place. Right? Now, this one's a common scenario. For instance, a husband, what do we do? We come home from a hard day's work of, of what? Conquering things. We're out there conquering the world, right? And all we want to do when we get home is what? Rest. In fact, they've invented this great thing for guys. It's called a lazy boy. You know where I'm going with this, right? Why? Because when a guy is done conquering, he just wants to come home and rest. Now, but as we sit down in that lazy boy, okay, the wife comes over this big old giant jar with these big old giant letters, and it says what? Honey, do, Right? And why does she do this? Because it's not time to rest, it's time uh, to fix the nest, okay? It's not resting time, it's nesting time. Okay, and the reason why, if you haven't noticed this, uh, for many women, if the outside or the inside of the home, the nest, if there's a mess, they cannot rest, okay? And that's why they want to fix the nest, okay? Uh, because there's a mess in it. But for men, hey, we in general can care less if it's a cardboard box or a castle, we're tired of conquering, we just want to rest, right? Nothing wrong with it. It just means we're different. Now, just, and there's a whole bunch more physical scenarios, but just in those couple, do you see, if you don't understand just those basic differences of how it could create conflict, and it has nothing to do that your spouse is doing it on purpose, trying to get back at you, being mean, 
you need to acknowledge these differences. But that's just the physical ones. The second God-given difference we desperately need to understand if we're gonna have a marriage built to last is that men and women are different physiologically, okay? And this is part of that. Uh, yeah, just shave that brain in half because there's all kinds of things going on. Uh, it, it's what I think Peter is trying to say, husbands, guys, uh, in this next verse. First Peter chapter three, verse seven. And it says this, now you husbands in the same way, you need to live with your wives in a what? Understanding way, okay? You need to understand something. Well, what am I supposed to understand? Well, keep reading. You're living with somebody who's what? Weaker, since she's a woman, okay? And you need to show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, I've said this before in other studies, but for most men, when we hear this passage, this charge from God to understand our wife, typically you got one of two songs going through your head. It's either Mission Impossible or Psycho, okay? <laughs> it's what's going on. But guys, I'm here to encourage you. It really is possible and it's not psychotic of what God's trying to ask us to do. And one of the things I think he's trying to get us to understand, understand your wives, is not just the physical difference that she's typically weaker, okay? Uh, and, uh, but also I would say in the emotional department, okay, department. Not, not an inept issue. It's just emotionally they're much more sensitive. Literally it means they're more delicate, more precious is what's going on there. And so therefore our wives need to be handled emotionally with delicate care. But that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to physiological differences. Let's take a look at a couple more of those uh, between men and women, okay? Let's say first one, shortly after birth, girls are more sensitive to certain types of sounds and loud noises, okay? Girls pay more attention to nonverbals and body language that's why you got this thing. We'll get into it a little bit called uh, women's intuition. And guys are usually clueless, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, girls speak sooner, have larger vocabularies, rarely have speech defects, and exceed boys in language abilities. Okay, typically. Uh, boys are more visually orientated. Okay. And boys are more curious about exploring or destroying their environment. Take your pick. Uh, typically, it's a guy thing, you know. So we got to conquer that toy or whatever it is. Women have a greater range of mood fluctuation. Now, if you think I'm going to expound on that, give it up. We're just moving on to the next one. All right. Uh, there are more men at both ends of the intellectual spectrum with more male geniuses. Woo, guys! As well as more males that are mentally deficient, but we won't go there. Uh, just focus on that. In fact, let's get that off the board, shall we? Let's move on. All right, but again, you might be sitting there okay, so what, Pastor so what? So psychologically, our brains, uh, the way that we, not just physically, but psychologically, we react and act, what's the big deal? I'm telling you guys, if you don't understand just even this hardwiring from God, not just the physical wiring, this hardwiring from God, you're gonna assume that your spouse is doing something on purpose and they're trying to be mean and get back, and it might have nothing to do with that, right? Let me draw it out again for you, okay? For instance, because of our God-given psychological differences, men tend to be emotionally insensitive Okay, ladies, you are emotionally sensitive. And this is what I believe the passage in Peter was trying to say. Okay, let me give you a scenario how this can play out. Maybe this sounds familiar. Husband and wife, they're driving down the road, right? And all of a sudden, the guy, they have two totally conversations to themselves going through their brain. It goes something like this. Driving down the road, right? And the husband sees, they both see a big old giant dead cat. I mean, a big one. Been there for a couple days, swelled up nice and good. See, ladies, you think that gross. Guys are going, yeah, keep going, Pastor Billy. Right? So, and... Uh, and so that's what we say in our head. Ladies, we don't share this conversation. We go, whoa, look at that thing, man. That thing's bloated. Woo, that's good roadkill, right? And then we say, hey, man, it's a good thing I'm visually superior and I didn't run over that cat. It would have blown up and made a mess on the truck. Ha, 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 I conquered that problem, right? That's what guys are thinking in general. Now listen, 
here's another thing that could happen, okay? Uh, five miles down the road, I mean, it's even later, and we've forgotten about his guys, but all of a sudden, he, we, you hear your wife sobbing. <laughs> and, and then you think as a guy that's some sort of acute appendicitis or something, uh, right? And, and you're actually kind of half concerned and half excited because it might be another opportunity for you to conquer something, driving to the hospital at high speeds or something. And you, so you say, what's wrong? And all of a sudden your wife, she sniffs and informs the guy, it's, it's fluffy. <laughs> and you're going, fluffy? What do you mean, fluffy? Who's, what's fluffy? And she goes, fluffy was my favorite cat back in the fifth grade. And we men, we've already compartmentalized the dead cat bloated thing five miles back. We got no clue what in the world you're talking about. And so she fills you in. She says, well, the, the dead cat five miles back reminded me of my dead cat Fluffy in the fifth grade. <laughs> right? And the guy, uh, he does start to shed a tear at this point. And then the woman's heart begins to melt because she thinks that he's showing her sympathetic emotions about her dead cat Fluffy. But it has nothing to do with that, ladies. It's actually because he's disappointed he doesn't get to conquer driving at the hospital at high speeds. Okay? <laughs> Now, mm, uh, nothing wrong with it. It just means uh, we're different, okay? And it's this emotional makeup, guys, between men and women. I'm telling you, it's even down to the brain level as to why our emotions do this. And they're so radically different. It's not that men don't have emotions. One time there was that one time, but no. It, it, it's, it's not as much emotions, okay? And ladies, this is why you're more emotional. It's not bad, it's just a difference. In fact, I'm telling you, they've done studies and it's because of the way that we process information in our brains, like this guy. Tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. Now, women's brains are very, very different from men's brains. Women's brains are made up of a big ball of wire. <laughs> and everything is connected to everything. The money's connected to the car, and the car's connected to your job, and your kids are connected to your mother, and everything's connected to everything. It was like... It's like the internet superhighway, okay? And, and it's all driven by energy that we call emotion. It's just... It's, it's one of the reasons why women tend to remember everything. <laughs> because if you take an event and you connect it to an emotion, it burns in your memory and you can remember it forever. The same thing happens for men. It just doesn't happen very often because, quite frankly, we don't care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> women tend to care about everything. And she just loved it. <laughs> okay. Now men, we have a box in our brain that most women are not aware of. This particular box has nothing in it. True. True. In fact, we call it the nothing box. And of all the boxes a man has in his brain, the nothing box is our favorite box. 
if a man has a chance, he'll go to his nothing box every time. That's why a man can do something seemingly completely brain dead for hours on end. You know, like fishing. We love it. That's, that's why a guy can sit in front of a TV and go. <laughs> of course, this drives our wives nuts because they'll come up and say, Stop up! You can't possibly be watching anything! I'm not. <laughs> Go away. Uh. <clears throat> All right. Now, does that explain some things or what? Right? Nobody was out to get each other. Nobody's doing it on purpose just to jab at you and start an argument. It's just literally our brains don't even function. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit more in just a second. That's because they've done studies. They've shown that ladies, and this is what's going on with yours, is typically you, both, you access both sides of the brain simultaneously. And that's what creates that bzzz, the emotional ball of wire, okay? And it's hard for you, therefore, to shut those emotions off like that. But for guys, it's radically different, ladies, okay? And uh, while we men typically thinking only one side of the brain at the time. Uh, as you saw, we're compartmental of our thinking. We'll get that in a second. And we create these little boxes. And so guess what? We literally can just shut it off, move on to the next thing, right? Nothing wrong with it. It just means we're different. Now, this is another one. We talked about this in the stats a little bit ago. Another one of our God-given psychological differences, men tend to communicate less. Ladies, you tend to communicate more. Pay attention, this is wild. Uh, research has shown that little girls, listen, are the first to communicate using intelligible words, whereas little boys make unintelligible noises, right? All right, therefore, and you see the scenario, even as kids, as parents, you see your kids doing this. Uh, little girls, are, 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 they've got their dolly, right? And she's playing with the thing all day long. Okay, what's she doing? I mean, she's having a whole conversation about her whole life. She's got the stock options figured out, 401k plan. She's got everything, who she's gonna marry, where they're gonna live, right? Okay, but boys, we'll take that same dolly. What do we do? We pop that head off, right? You know what I'm saying? Throw the head like a hand grenade, right? We pop it out, we take that headless dolly, we fly down, you know, the hallway, all right? Same thing, okay? And that's what's going on, okay? And ladies, if you've been paying attention, uh, I believe that we men are actually still making these same noises because when we come home after a hard day of conquering, you say, how was your day? What do we say? You know, we do the same thing. Nothing wrong with it. It just means we're different. Now, this communication thing, this is why. Research has shown that men on average speak about 12,000 words a day. Ladies on average speak 25,000 words a day which explains some things, right? And that's why one lady, I remember she, uh, she had heard this statistic apparently and, and she tried to justify it by saying this, well, the reason why women use twice as many words as men is because we have to repeat everything we say. <laughs> and the man there said, what? <laughs> and ladies, listen, this is not because he doesn't care about you. 
It doesn't mean he doesn't want to, you know, have a conversation. Listen, this is why when a man comes home after a hard day of conquering things, he only wants to rest, not only that, listen, but he usually doesn't talk that much because he's already used up his 12,000 words for the day. Okay? But the wife, on the other hand, you're just getting warmed up. You got another 13,000 to go, right? Nothing wrong with it. It just means we're different. Now, another one is men tend to discuss general facts. Ladies, you got, I mean, intimate feelings. Okay, and this comes out in all kinds of scenarios. Uh, for instance, uh, if you guys notice this aspect, a, a woman in general can get into an intimate conversation with another woman, even if she's a total stranger. Have you noticed that? Now, guys, it's radically different. I mean, first of all, we'll hardly even talk to a stranger, uh, period. Uh, after all, we're not stupid. We, we got to conserve part of our 12,000 words for when we get home, okay? And, uh, but generally, if we do get around talking to another guy, okay, it's usually just short and straight to the point. Right, just short and straight to the point. And ladies, again, this is why when you do ask us about our day and you ask, well, hey, how was your day? Uh, usually we just come back with something short and straight to the point. Good, fine, right? And uh, then all of a sudden, you gotta have more detail, right? And so you go, no, no, how was your day? You need more information from us. And, and so you're starting to get antsy because you got 13,000 more words to go and we can kind of sense it. And we're guys and we're gonna conquer this communication thing and get intimate if it's the last thing we do. So we don't say that our day was just good. We say it was real good. And believe it or not, that was a big step, ladies. You need to appreciate it. Okay. Another one, let me give you one more, of our God-given psychological differences, and this is what we alluded to earlier, is that men tend to be compartmental thinkers. That's our nothing box. We think in boxes. Okay. Ladies, you're more spatial thinkers. You access both sides of the brain at the same time. And again, ladies, I know this might come as a surprise, but did you know that scientific data has proven that men in general only use half their brain? And the reason why is because typically for a guy, we just kind of gravitate more towards the right side of the brain. We can access the left once in a while. That's the more touchy-feely, artistic thing. We, we can once in a while, but typically we stay on the one side of the brain. But ladies, again, as we saw earlier, you access both sides of the brain simultaneously. And again, that's what creates your uh, emotional ball of wire. But for men, we tend to be more compartmental in our thinking, which means we literally listen, ladies. Listen, it's not that we don't care. Listen to how we're wired. We literally move from one compartment, one box to the next, and no box touches another, right? That's how it works, one box to the next, okay? And, and again, let's just take a look and see how this plays out in real life. Nobody's trying to get back at each other. It's just the way our brains are fired. Let's take a look. All right, now men's brains are, are very unique. Men's brains are made up of little boxes, and we have a box for everything. We've got a box for the car, we got a box for the money, we got a box for the job, we got a box for you, we got a box for the kids, we got a box for your mother somewhere in the basement. We got, we got, we, we got boxes everywhere. And, and the rule is, the boxes don't touch. When a man discusses a particular subject, we go to that particular box, we pull that box out, we open the box, we discuss only what is in that box. All right? And, and, and then we close the box and put it away being very, very careful not to touch any other boxes. 
Now they've actually measured this. The University of Pennsylvania a couple of years ago did a study and discovered that men have the ability to think about absolutely nothing and still breathe. <laughs> you know, they connected all the wires and stuff like that and watched the brain activity and then all of a sudden, he's <laughs> dead! Huh? You know, women can't do it. They can't do it. Their minds never stop. And, and they don't understand the nothing box. And it drives them crazy. Because nothing drives a woman more crazy or makes her feel more irritated than to witness a man doing nothing. the biggest revelations I get out of women is this whole nothing box issue. They just, everything's starting to make sense. <laughs> and I, I've had women say, oh, oh it's nothing, well, can I go in his nothing box with him? <laughs> no! <laughs> Why not? Because then it's something! <laughs> Besides, you'll walk in there and go, You know, you know, this place could really use some pictures. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now, does that answer a whole lot of questions there? Notice how nobody was getting back at anybody, trying to be mean. It's just a basic difference. Ladies, this is why, I kid you not, you talk about coming home and asking how we're doing. This is why typically when you ask us, honey, did you think of me today? We actually have to pause and think, okay? <laughs> Now listen, it's not that we didn't. In fact, as guys, we're sure that we did. We just have to remember what box it took place in, pull it up to retrieve it, okay? And, and again, ladies, this is why you've got that thing called women's intuition. You access both sides of the brain. You're more spatial in your thinking. That's why you're generally able to sense things that men were uh, clueless ab about, okay? For instance, you could be at home sitting in the living room and the kids are already in bed and you're relaxing there and the husband's reading the paper and all of a sudden the wife pipes up and says, honey, I think something's wrong with the kids, right? And, and what do we say, guys? Eh, nothing's wrong. I don't hear nothing, right, right? But sure enough, the wife senses something with her spatial thinking. She goes in the room, and sure enough, the kids are in there building a nuclear bomb or something, right? We're just, right? You know, right? Listen, there's nothing wrong with it. It just means we're different, all right? Now, folks, it's kind of fun, but it's so true. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because if you don't understand the very first chapter, the very first page of the Bible, that God says he made us different, male and female, on purpose. Half your marriage problems are gonna come from this misunderstanding. Because you're gonna take it personal, do you think that they're gonna do it on purpose and it has nothing to do with that? Or you're gonna give into the lie of this world and you can saw that's exactly the way we're wired. It ain't gonna change. You're not even the same in your cell structure. You're gonna give into the lie of this world and say, well, I've got to change them. I've got to make them think, act, behave like me and it isn't gonna happen. Okay, that's where your troubles come in. In fact, we're different folks by God's design. And this is the great news. I think that when we understand God's purpose for marriage and get back to the Genesis account and just this basic truth, how we're different, then I think we could start to experience more of what I believe is God's goal for marriage that he tells us. Jesus, of course, quoting Genesis in Matthew 19, he says this. Now, listen, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. What's the goal? The two will become one flesh, not two islands, not one person over here, over here, trying to make them like this. No, the goal is do it God's way 
you come together as one flesh. And that's Jesus, what he said. He said, they're no longer two but one. And he says, therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. May I uh, translate that in the context of our study? Don't listen to society. Listen to God, okay? Our differences are not meant by God on purpose to conflict with each other. If you leave it alone, do it God's way, acknowledge this, they start to complement each other. Our differences are not meant to conflict. You need to acknowledge the way that God's wired us and begin to prayerfully see how they start to complement. Now, when that happens, and I believe this passage of scripture comes into play, and that would be uh, Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Can, can I add a little bit to that? I think true to the context, so a spouse sharpens a spouse. Our differences, listen, are not meant to shake us down into a life of turmoil. They exist, listen, to sharpen us up into better people. This is why opposites attract. This is why God had us marry somebody absolutely, totally different than ourselves. Why? Because the other person by nature is going to act as a mirror to get us to look into and see the things we didn't know unless we married that person who's totally different. They expose areas that need to be worked on. That's where the sharpening process begins. It begins to shave off the rough edges because you married somebody totally different. And yet what's the world say? Skip over that blessing, because it is a blessing. And you just try to make them just like you. You don't change. Nobody changes except for the other person. It's absolutely polar opposite uh, from God. God didn't design marriage, folks, believe it or not, so that we'd always be miserable. He knew that if we married somebody exactly like us, we would never change, okay? Our differences, I'll say it again, are not meant to conflict. They're meant to complement. And when Brandy and I, and we're still learning it, uh, that it's not about trying to change each other. It's not about trying to make each other just like the other person because you can't, it's impossible. We're wired like this by God's design. I think we finally started to put ourselves into a position of becoming that one flesh. And what we've noticed over the years is because of our differences, listen, uh, both of us, God has used the other person to shave off the rough edges. And can I tell you this? I truly believe, number one, first of all, we are no longer the same two people when we first got married nearly 20 years ago. Listen, we're better people, we're better, stronger Christians because we're different people. That's God's design. That's what he wants to do. Have us start to complement each other and become that one flesh, okay? It's all part of God's design for a healthy marriage. Now, we're gonna close, but we're gonna close with an action step. Isn't that exciting? First of all, this is mind-blowing. This is more than you'll ever get on the back of the box of a Cheerios that men and women are different. But now you get an action step, a little bonus thing. So if your spouse is here, go ahead and turn and look towards them. Okay, that would include taking the head and going like this in a different direction, right? Uh, if your spouse is not here, you could practice with a pew, but don't get in it too much or you're gonna freak me out, okay? But, uh, but turn to your spouse and do this and say this to them. This, I'm telling you guys, it's kind of funny, but listen, you'll get it. If you do this, it's, just, it's revolutionary. And just say this to your spouse today. You are different on purpose, therefore, you are not my enemy. Now that's a revelation, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> Folks, that's what the crux of the study is all about. We are different, all right. We're different by God's design and that's the good news. That's the good news. That's the first step. Being married, listen, doesn't mean your life always has to be filled with personal pain and silent suffering. God never said it's gonna be easy, Christian, because of the fall of mankind. He just said if you do it his way and if you give it some time and put some work in it, you're gonna have a marriage built to last. And isn't that what we all want? 
Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included. And that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime 
they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, They certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.